What an immense blessing to be able to be together on the first of the week to remember the one who came and gave himself for us. So many people today are gathering specifically to do that, not quite in the same way that we are. It is Christmas Day, and so there are many people who are celebrating the arrival of Jesus in some way or another. I think we should take advantage of that to be talking with our friends. I'm grateful for the holiday season that allows us to be together with family. I'm thankful for my family that's gathered with me this morning. Appreciate you making the effort to come out. The roads are not nice. <laughs> it is not a good day to be out, but we're here where we need to be, where the Lord has called us to be. And I'm thankful to, your, uh, to you for your presence here and thankful to him for allowing you to make it with us. There are several who are online with us as well. We're thankful that you're able to do that. Prayerful that you're uh, safe and healthy where you are. And I pray that this lesson will be helpful and encouraging to you. It is not a Christmas lesson, except the fact that it's being preached on Christmas Day. It is a lesson, though, that as we're drawing near the end of the year, calls us to contemplate our own conduct and our own thinking about time, specifically. I appreciate Christopher's reading for us in Ephesians 5. appreciate Mike singing the song there, leading the song, uh, Take Time to Be Holy. We'll be talking about redeeming the time. It's a phrase that comes up in the New King James Version, at least, in verse 16 of Ephesians 5. I want to talk to you about the Greek concept of time that Paul is playing on here, and certainly God's concept of time that we need to be considering as we uh, think about our own lives. I will be upfront about this. This lesson was preached about 20 years ago. Congregation I was a part of as a New Year's sort of kickoff to inject us with some, uh, some encouragement for the year. It was preached by a brother, uh, Buddy Payne. And so I've adapted this lesson, but the format and most of uh, the, the thinking behind it, he gets the credit for. And really, it's all God's word anyway. Usually I'm just sort of rearranging and reformatting things that the Apostle Paul or some other has written. We're sharing in these good things together. This lesson was particularly helpful for me. And recently I was speaking with a brother who was talking about wanting to sort of organize his life better and figure out how to use his time better. And I said, I think I know a lesson that'll be helpful. So I pray it's helpful for you. If you're listening to this lesson later on, I pray this will be useful as you're considering how best to redeem the time that God has given us. So as we look at these verses in Ephesians 5, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. There's a reason we need to be considering how we walk. And that is the time will get away from us and we'll end up using it on evil things, Paul points out here. We ought to not be unwise then, not foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. New Testament Greek, which is what Paul was writing in here, it's a New Testament, is mostly in this uh, Koine Greek, uh, Greek that's sort of out of use now, but it used two specific words to deal with the concepts that are inherent in our word for time. We have these concepts inherent in our words as well, but we don't think about them because it's our native language. As we're looking at someone else's language, it's helpful to think about the way they thought about the things they were saying. And so in this Greek, uh, we're going to see two terms. One of those is chronos. We, that's the one we think of mostly when we think about time. It speaks of a space or a duration of time. It would be a short or a long time. We may say, you know, this, this day is dragging on. Our kids like to say that when they're talking about doing schoolwork. It takes forever. Or when you're having fun, it seems like it's really short. <laughs> Sometimes it'll talk about a succession of times, things that happen in a certain order. We'll use the word chronology sometimes. It has this, this root word from the Greek here. Uh, so there may be shorter or longer times in succession. We'll talk about times eternal. 
perhaps using this word, or a duration of time. The, the authorized version, the King James Version, would say while or as long as using this word here, or for whatever time something lasts. And so all of that definition comes from W.E. Vine, who is a, a scholar in the Greek, which I'm not. So we use words in our English like chronology or chronic. It's something that happens over a long period of time. Or anachronism. It doesn't fit with the time in which it uh, has been uh, revealed to us. And so uh, we'll see this root word come up a lot of times in our own language. Um, so when we think of chronos, we're thinking of tick-tock time. You know, the, the seconds click, uh, ticking off on the clock and the sort of linear progression of time. And so we may think in terms of seconds, Interestingly enough, we don't find the word seconds in the Bible, nor the word minutes. We don't see those two counting methods in the Bible. Those are something that are a little bit more modern. We do see hours. In Matthew chapter 20, we have the, uh, the parable that Jesus tells about all the people going out to work and at different hours of the day. They're called to work, and at the end, they all get paid the same. And the ones who worked only an hour uh, got the same as the people who'd been out there all day. But this concept of hours, of this incremental time, and people being upset that they had worked a lot more chronological time than someone else. And Jesus says, well, he had the right to do, uh, the, the owner who called them to work had the right to pay them as he wished. They had a contract for that. Certainly days, we see that concept all through the Bible, starting in Genesis 1, morning and the evening were the first day, or the evening and the morning were the first day. And we have that several times through that first chapter. Uh, and then the concept of weeks, in John chapter 20, uh, there's a star by this one because the concept is inherent, but there's not really the word used in the New Testament. The word that's usually used is the word Sabbath. <laughs> and the indication is if there's a first of the week, it indicates there's a week. <laughs> but in John chapter 20, verse uh, 26 is the clearest reference I can find to a week's span of time. This is the Lord had appeared to some of the disciples uh, on the first Sunday after his resurrection. And then verse 26 we're told uh, after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and this time Thomas was with them. Jesus came in, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, peace be to you. So a week had gone by. It's interesting that in Brazil, when they speak of a week, they speak of eight days. We typically say seven days, but they count the day you're on or the day that, that you're going to be on, so they include that as being eight days. The Beatles have a song, Eight Days a Week, that doesn't make sense in English, but it would make more sense in Portuguese and perhaps in this Greek thought as well. So weeks is certainly a biblical concept is the point I'm getting at. Months, Exodus 12, verse 2 is interesting. As they're about to head out on the Exodus, he says, this will be the first of your months. This is what I'm decreeing for you. Abib will be the first of your months. And so they begin to set up this monthly cyclical calendar. And God is the one who decreed when that should begin. And then certainly years. We'll come back to this. So I want to go ahead and lay out this Psalm 90 verse 10 quickly. Uh, I want us to be thinking about that sort of in the back of our heads as we will consider this concept of time in just a moment. But Psalm 90 uh, verse 10. The days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off and we fly away. This concept of years, these longer spans of time. Uh, that are cyclical with the sun and moon. Uh, and so all of that is describing this Greek word chronos, this idea of chronological or incremental time. There is, when we think of chronos, we're thinking of then chronology. We're thinking of past and future. We think backwards in time or forward in time. We look at these linear progressions. And we're really thinking of quantitative time, the quantity, the amount, the length of time, the duration of something. And that's the idea inherent in chronos. 
Interesting enough, in Greek thought, chronos was considered as something dead, something that doesn't truly exist. I want you to think about this in the philosophy of time, for example. The moment that is now. By the time I say that, it's already gone. <laughs> that moment was gone. I'm in a new now already. If I'm looking forward to a future time, it's really only a concept. It hasn't really happened yet, so it's sort of like the Schrodinger's cat. Is the thing in the box? Is it not? Is it dead? Is it alive? This idea of a concept of something future that may come along. And when I'm thinking of the past, I'm not there anymore. I'm only remembering it. It's somehow only alive in my memory. That it doesn't exist anymore now because it's already gone. And so chronological time is a time that in the Greek philosophy, the Greek way of thinking, is really a dead kind of way of thinking of time. That chronological time really only exists as a concept. It's helpful to us. We can plan things based on what we hope the future will bring. We can take advantage of sort of the moment, but by the time we do, it's already past. And we can remember lovingly things that happened and maybe try to repeat those, but it's still conceptual in nature. Chronological time is. So we have a different word, though. And that's this word kairos. And it's the word that's being used in Ephesians 5. And kairos speaks primarily of due measure or due proportion. So it thinks of time in proportions and not in logical increments, but in this moment, this, this larger idea. It signifies a fixed or definite period, or a better word would be season. And we'll see that word used a lot. It's the word kairos. When you see the word season in the New Testament, a lot of times. It's an opportune or seasonable time, a season or an opportunity. That's what the word is really pointing at. Take advantage of an opportunity. We might ask somebody, are you having a good time? We don't mean, were those 26 minutes interesting? <laughs> we're not talking about chronology. We're talking about the quality of the time. We're not asking about the amount of time when we think about kairos. We're thinking about an opportunity. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10 says, as we have opportunity, let us do good. That's this word kairos. We've been presented with a moment we can use. Let's use it for doing good, especially to those of the household of faith, it says in Galatians 6.10. And so as we think of kairos time, it's not really linear in progression. Galatians 6.9 talks about in due season we shall reap if we do not tire of doing good. So let's not give up on doing good. It may seem like it's taking a long time, but it's producing benefits that are seasonal, not chronological, if that makes sense. And I think that helps us when we begin to contemplate time that's been put into our hands. We're being, we've been given a season of opportunity. Let's use it. Even if it takes a while, it's going to produce fruit. Farmers don't think necessarily in chronological time. They may be thinking of months down the road, but they're really thinking of a season in which they've given opportunity to work. And let's get out and take advantage of the season because eventually we're not going to be able to. That's sort of the way uh, that it's used in Romans 5 in due time. And then really specifically, um, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 1, we'll look at these verses again in just a moment, but it's not necessary that I talk to you about the times and the seasons. This kairos is used there as well. You guys understand that there are things that need to be done. So this is kairos time. And so as we consider kairos time, it really speaks of the now. As I said, with chronology, when you're thinking of now, you've already missed it by the time you say it. But in kairos, now is a bigger concept. It's all that we've been given. This morning that we're together is a now. And so we've been given this opportunity to encourage one another, stir one another up to love and good works. That's what the nowness is, this opportune time. And so we're speaking of the quality of the time, not the quantity. So we talk about sometimes, I just need some quality time. It might be 15 minutes. <laughs> take, a, take a break and go pray somewhere. That's quality time for me. That's much better that than maybe three hours of quantity time when I'm doing something that really hasn't benefited much. The quality of the time is the kairos idea. 
and it therefore is considered as living time. It's the ever-existent moment. Let's take advantage of this opportunity, and we can just keep making more and more opportunity. As long as God has granted us life, we've got the opportunity of now, of the moment. And let's take advantage. Let's seize the day is this idea. That's what we're getting at. And really, kairos, then, is the essence of eternity. So while chronos is really the stuff that, that eternity is missing out on, there's no chronology in eternity. Kairos is what eternity is made of. There was supposed to be a slide on here where we looked at Kairos, uh, at Kronos, in this concept that's inherent in one of our songs. When we've been there 10,000 years bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. I don't know what happened to that slide, but it was there earlier. At any rate, that's the idea, though, of Kronos. You, you count it, but Kairos means it just keeps going on. And so it's, it's a given season. And since there is a given season, here's where the lesson really, where the rubber meets the road, we've got responsibility to Kairos. With chronology, it goes so quickly, maybe we don't have as much responsibility with that, but we've got responsibility with Kairos. I'm going to show you how they're connected in just a moment. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I told you we'd come back to this verse. I want to look for just a second at this verse in conjunct with another one. I think it's kind of interesting the way that this language works. When you think about these concepts inherent in the Greek, now I know, like I said, we have these concepts in English, but we express them a little bit differently. But I want you to think about what's being said here. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 and 2. But concerning the times and the seasons, the kairos, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. And then he goes on and talks about what we ought to be doing since our time may be short. In Acts chapter 1, we get a, a sort of a similar construction. And this one, I think, is even more pointed. Paul was uh, a, a little less pointed about it than what Jesus is. And Jesus had a more urgency about him, uh, specifically here, because he's about to be taken up from their presence. In Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They said, chronology, for this moment, this, this is it. He says, it is not for you to know times or seasons. Kairos is none of your business. That's God's business, which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, get to work. <laughs> You've got a season to work. Don't be worried about chronology. Worry about season and do that work. That's where you are. So the details of time are really unimportant. You've got work to do, so get at it. Sometimes we sell ourselves short because we're like, well, I'll never have enough time really to make an impact. I'll never have enough time to get that done. And so most of us, especially perfectionists, just don't even start. There's no way I'd ever get that done, so I just won't start. And then we put off the next thing and the next thing, and we become perfectionists at procrastinating because we're thinking in chronology and not in kairos, not in, in the season that we can grasp. And when we're thinking of the season, we can take advantage of small moments to get little bits done that'll build a future of reaping but we short circuit ourselves because typically in American thought, Western thought, we think of chronology more than we think of Kairos. Galatians chapter six. Let's go back and look at those verses that I alluded to earlier. I wasn't trying to rush through those earlier. I just knew we were gonna to get to them in a moment. So in Galatians six verses nine and 10, let us not grow weary while doing good for in due Kairos, in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who have the household of faith. There's Kairos again in verse 10, that opportunity. And so let us take advantage of the opportunity we have 
however small or however large it may be, it's an opportunity. Let's use it for good, redeeming the kairos, because the days are evil. If we don't use it for good, it'll be used, <laughs> and it'll end up being used for evil. We've got to make a point to take advantage of the season. So see that you work circums- walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the kairos. That's what this lesson is really about. So how do we do that? <laughs> that's the question. How in the world do we manage to redeem something that's, that's this concept of the nowness of time? Well, redeem literally means to buy something back. In this case, buying up something for ourselves. We're going to try to buy up kairos. <laughs> we're going to try to make sure that we're investing as much as we can in the season that we've been given. We've got to make this season we've been given truly ours. It may be 70 years. Maybe by reason of strength, it's 80. But that's all we've got. <laughs> In John chapter 9 and verse 4, Jesus said, we must work while it is day. The night's coming when nobody can work. Sort of got around that with electricity now. But his point was, we're given a short season. Let's make sure we take good advantage of it. Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10 says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it diligently. (laughs) Because once you've gone into the grave, there's nothing you can do. But you can do it now. And so do it diligently, uh, working for the Lord. So what do we use then to redeem Kairos? How do we redeem the kairos, as, as Paul is urging us to do in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16. What do we use to buy it up? Well, we redeem kairos from whatever less important goals are serving chronos. <laughs> you think about that. We're given chronological time that builds to a season. What are we using it for? <laughs> I dare say most of us end up wasting time. We don't think about, we don't have our minds and our hearts set on the season we've been given. Sometimes we just need a break, but let's make a season of that break even. Let's use it for good purposes. So how do we do that? Since Kronos is limited, we've got to find a way to use it wisely. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus is talking there about the parable of the sower, really uh, talking about the response of the hearts. And he says in verses 18 and 19 that these are the ones grown among thorns, sown among thorns, They're the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. The first one of those, the cares of this world, I think I've pointed this out in other other, uh, contexts, not necessarily sinful. There are things that we've got to take care of in this world. I've got to provide for my family, so I need to work. (laughs) I've got to make sure that my house is maintained, that my car is maintained. Those things, they take time. They don't take a season. (laughs) But they do take time, and we've got to make the investment on those because it's part of the overall work we're doing. But these other things can be sinful, the the deceitfulness of riches, desires for these other things. They can become idols in our hearts, and they can pull us away from the season and the useful season that we've been given. And so we've got to make sure that we're using Kronos well. And so, as Americans, here's what we typically do. We try to schedule Kronos so that we can redeem our Kairos. So we're still thinking of Kronos, But we're trying to do it in a way that will we'll gain some kairos here. So let's talk about how we do this. So let's imagine my work day is eight hours, probably longer than that for most of us. But eight hours, let's say my boss schedules that. I can't really do anything about that. I've got to be there. I've got to, you know, I'm working for the Lord, but I'm putting in my hours for the boss. I don't want to cheat and steal on that. So eight hours, I've just got to schedule that. That's eight hours of a, of a chronos that I'm just going to have to lose because I'm giving that to, to the work. And then i got to have my sleep if I'm going to be able to function at work. Seven hours may be generous for some. That may be really short for others. we got to know what our needs are. I can get by usually on five or six. That's all I need. I just wake up naturally after that. 
that's a blessing. It gives me a little more chronos to use because I'm using less in sleep. But for some of us, if I need nine hours, I need to schedule those nine hours and make sure I get them. If I'm going to function well in the time I'm awake, I want to use chronos well, so I got to schedule it well. Maybe you schedule family time three hours. I think that's really generous. It's really hard for us to get that much time. This is like a daily schedule. It's 24 hours here in this circle. So pick a Saturday maybe for this, well, not with your work hours, but just trying to schedule some family time in there. Maybe three hours is too much. Eating. I'm talking about meal prep, cleanup and everything. About two hours a day we're going to spend eating. Rest. I've got to take a rest in there somewhere during the day. Maybe an hour. That might be generous as well. Miscellaneous stuff. I've got to drive to the bank. I've got to you know, go pay a bill somewhere. It'll take about an hour of my time. But I've got to get my spiritual time in. So maybe an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening. So I get two hours of spiritual time in. So kind of break that out over a day. You've got your chronology. Uh, and so this is us thinking in terms of chronos. But how can we fix that? All right, let's fix our schedule. We're thinking now, I've got to do chronos better so I get better kairos. Well, wait, working for eight hours, that's just, that's, somebody else schedules that. So I can't change that. I can sleep a little bit less. Let's say I can get by on six and a half instead of seven. So I get half an hour there. I can cut a half an hour off family time. You know, I'm going to be with them a lot. We'll get the weekends together. So during my, my days, I'll, I'll cut a half an hour off there. So that just gave me an extra hour. I've lost a half an hour of sleep, half hour of family time. That's an extra hour. I can cut out a half an hour on eating. Maybe I can prepare the meals ahead of time on one day and then you sort of make that more efficient. So I'm down to one and a half hours on eating. So I've gained another half hour there. Rest for half an hour instead of an hour. Maybe I was being too generous with my rest in the afternoon. So I've gained two hours now. Miscellaneous down to a half an hour. I've changed all this around in my chronology. And look at this. I've gained two extra hours for God. Maybe two and a half if my math is incorrect. I've gained some extra time for God. Isn't that beautiful? Four hours now of chronology that I can give to the Lord. But alas, we're thinking of chronos when we think this way. And unfortunately, we end up putting so much pressure on ourselves thinking of chronos that we don't take advantage of even those four hours that we've scheduled ourselves. Uh, a brother I was uh, studying with at one time used to tell me, you know, it's such a blessing. I don't have to go to work until 10 in the morning. So from 6 till 10 every day, I'm studying the Bible and praying. I've got these four hours. So I said, that's great. Why don't we start getting together at 7 and study? And you know, so I'm, if you allow me to have one hour of that, we'll be studying together. He was always late for our meeting at 7. Turns out he had plans to get from 6 to 10 to study. He usually was waking up around 8.30. <laughs> he'd have breakfast and he'd study from about 9 to 9.25. Then he'd have to get in the car and go to work. 6 to 10 wasn't really his thing. It was what he scheduled. But actually to get to work, he had to have 30 minutes of that driving. And he usually was waking up later than that because he stayed up too late the night before and he could never make our studies at seven because he still wasn't up. So he had these dreams of four hours of spiritual time. And he convinced himself that's what he was doing. But when we began to try to practice it, and I wasn't trying to challenge him. I thought, great, he's got this time. Let's, let's get together and study. Turns out he didn't have that time. He had convinced himself that he had been doing this for years. And sometimes when we're thinking of chronology, that's what we do. I'm great at scheduling things out. I'm not as good as following my schedules as I, as I am at scheduling them out. I'm working on that. But here, these two hours extra for God may not really end up being two hours extra for God. <laughs> There's going to be some transition between these different things. How do we fix that? But here's the suggestion I think is most helpful. Maybe we don't change that first schedule at all. Maybe I need seven hours. I shouldn't be ashamed of taking seven hours sleep if that's exactly what I need, if it's eight hours. Some people just need more. God knows what our bodies are made of. Now, let's not fool ourselves. I need 12 hours sleep, and if I don't get it, I'm going to be grumpy. Nobody needs 12 hours sleep. But let's be realistic, and we make sure we get that. If you're not going to be able to function the next day because you only got four hours sleep, 
you need to schedule better sleep time. You need to go to bed earlier, you need to get up earlier, uh, get up later, whatever it is. But you need to be honest with yourself about that before God. Because when you're awake, you want to be able to take advantage of that season that you've been given. And so here's, we've gone back to our original structure here. I don't think the, the issue is chronological. The issue is not chronos, it's kairos. And we've got to figure out how better to deal with that. I want us to go look in Colossians chapter 2 at a couple of things that Paul mentions there that I think are very closely tied to this concept we're talking about. What's interesting is I don't remember him using the word kairos in these texts, but he's talking about the essence of it. Colossians 2, verses 8 through 10. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So Christ the center, Christ bringing us to God and God coming to us in Christ, and not be deceived then by philosophy and empty deceit. Don't let chronology become your God. <laughs> uh, that is an empty thing to think about. And then in chapter 3, verse 17, here's the, the anchor. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So here's the way we think when we're thinking chronology. Well, I've got to be at work for eight hours. I can't glorify the Lord there. <laughs> can't you? <laughs> in Colossians, won't he say in just a moment that you ought to be obedient to your master? And that that'll be a reflection as you're working for the Lord and not for men, be a reflection of Jesus in your life? Will you not give a good testimony of the Lord in your life to those people you're with at work? I don't work in your workplace. I'm an evangelist. This is what I do for a living is I reach out to people to study the Bible with them. But there are people you sit next to every day at your workplace, people that you maybe ride the bus with, people you carpool with, that you have an opportunity with that I don't have an opportunity with. Maybe you're talking to them, well, generate an opportunity and you can study with them or you can bring them to me. I'd be glad to do that. But you've got an opportunity I don't have. I'm not going to be there with them. <laughs> you can take advantage of Kairos in your season at work. <laughs> now, you've got to be scheduled there by somebody else, but you can use that scheduling as an opportunity to talk to the people you're riding in the elevator with, the lunch lady, if you go to the cafeteria. There are opportunities that you're given every single day there. What about this question of sleep? Can you sleep for the Lord? Absolutely, I think you must. <laughs> you need to make sure that you're getting enough sleep so that when you're awake you can function. That is a desire of serving the Lord properly. Now, did Paul say he was in sleeplessness often? Yeah, things happened to him. <laughs> he was shipwrecked. He did a lot of things that caused him to lose sleep. I'm not saying we make sleep become our God, but as we have opportunity to sleep well so that when we're awake, we can take advantage of our, of our waking hours to use them well for the Lord, let's do that. Let's not be ashamed if I need seven full hours of sleep. Let's get it. Let's not shortchange ourselves because we're not going to function as well. And I would say sleep for the Lord. Do that. Take advantage of the rest he's given you at each day to be serving him. So you do that programming. Okay, I'm going to make sure lights are out, electronics are off. I'm ready for good sleep so that when I wake up, I can function and take advantage of that kairos. What about family time? <laughs> We've got to get our TV time in and our game time in and all of that. Well, you can also take advantage of even those things to be serving the Lord together with your family. Your family time and your spiritual time, I would say, ought to certainly coincide. 
that's a good opportunity to have more spiritual conversations, more encouraging time together, thinking of the Lord pointedly together in your family time. If God is the center of your family time, then he's going to be a part of all you're doing. If he's a center of your work, he's going to be a part of all you're doing at work. If he's a center of your sleeping, you're going to not be lazy, but you're going to be sleeping efficiently so that you can use the rest that you've been given to give you the energy you need for the next day. God made our bodies. He knows how they work. Jesus was asleep in the, in the storm on a pillow in Mark chapter 4. And he knows that we need sleep. What about eating? Can I eat to the Lord? Absolutely. It's not something we commonly do in this country. We eat to satisfy some inner need. But we can eat in a way that's going to give us the energy that's going to supply our need so that we can have the strength we need. I'm not saying can't eat junk food. I'm not saying you can't have a pizza. What I'm saying is be aware of how your eating affects your health because you want to use your health in service to God. There's a season you've been given to eat well for the Lord. <laughs> Let's be doing that. Let's be contemplating that. Even if we have a bounty, all things were made to be received with thanksgiving. Let's do that. Even if we're eating more than we should during the holidays, let's do that as we're taking advantage of family time together. But all of this considering, how is this going to affect my being able to serve the Lord? He's the center of our thinking because in Him is the opportunity that we've been given. As Christ is the fullness of the Godhead dwelling among us, we've been given a season to serve Him. If I need to rest during the day to do that well, then take some time to rest during the day. Don't feel guilty about that. Be doing it for the Lord. I think that'll help you not be lazy about your rest. I'm just going to take three hours today for a rest. No, take a half an hour if you need it. Take an hour if that's what you need. But understand it's a period of rest that you're going to come back from with the energy to do the things you need to do. Miscellaneous things. Can you be listening to Bible uh, while you're driving to the bank? That's a good thing to do. I'm not as good at that as I, as I need to be. <laughs> Can you be listening to the Bible while you're driving with your family to and from worship? Can you be praying together? Can you take advantage of the miscellaneous empty moments to make them a kairos instead of a chronos? I think we can do that. Certainly, I think you should have spiritual time. I'm not saying don't schedule four hours. If you can do that, excellent. <laughs> That's great. You are going to have some downtime even in that, but schedule it if you can. You definitely need to be scheduling daily Bible reading and daily prayer time. If you can't do it any other way than to schedule it, then make sure that's on your schedule. It ought to at some point become natural. But if we're doing all of this with God in the center, God in Christ as the center of our lives, we're not thinking anymore of chronology. I've got this much time to do this. We're thinking of this is the season God has given me to serve him and to serve all those who are around me. That is a theme in almost all of our prayers at home. We're thanking God for the time he's given us to serve each other and those who are within our reach. That's what we're here for. <laughs> we're serving him our families, and those who are, that we have influence over. That is taking advantage of Kairos. So what have we found when God is the center? Extra time for God at work, when I'm sleeping, in my family time, in my spiritual time, certainly, even when I'm eating. There's extra time for God in all of our time if he is the center of our thinking. We're not thinking of chronology, but of Kairos, of opportunity, of a season, then he is the reason for the season. I don't mean that to be as punny as it sounded with this being Christmas, but that's the point. <laughs> he is the center of all of the opportunity we've been given. And if we're truly serving him and seeking for the best way to do that, we'll stop thinking of chronology so much. You think about how even coming to worship would be if all we're thinking of is chronology. Think about how little chronologically we invest during a week if we come to the Bible study and the worship service and then the Bible study during the week. Four hours, maybe, total? And then the driving time for that? If you're thinking only of chronology, you're thinking, wow, 
I could probably do more than that. <laughs> uh, and maybe you could. Or maybe you're thinking, that's an awful lot. <laughs> I hope not. In the practice of some people, it seems like those four hours are considered to be too much, an awful lot. I hope that's not the case. What I want us to understand is that this moment that we're together, we mentioned this at the very beginning, is a season of opportunity to build each other up. These four hours of investment are the best four hours chronologically that I can spend during my week because you guys are building me up for the season I have after this. This is where I need to be out doing the Lord's work. And here it's comfortable and here it's easy. I've got you guys cheering me on. I've got you with me in the same battle. Out there is where Satan is roaming like a lion trying to devour. We need these moments of recharge to be able to face the season that we've been given out there. But this is part of our season and we ought to be taking advantage of it. The truth is, when we think about chronology or even kairos, a day is full. <laughs> a lot of things can happen in one day. In the Bible, we see lots of that. In Luke chapter 12, we've got the man who talked about, hey, I can lay up now for years. I can store up all my goods. I've got all these riches. And the response is, you fool. <laughs> what if the Lord calls for your soul tonight? Then whose will all these things be? What will be your state? You can die today. One day, that's all it takes. <laughs> One moment, chronology can end right away. In Hebrews chapter 3, we're told to be exhorting one another while it is called today, lest we be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So exhortation can happen in one day, but also the hardening by the deceitfulness of sin, sometimes it can take just once. <laughs> and a person can be turned off and their heart closed to the things of God. We need to be exhorting each other against the hardening of the deceitfulness of sin. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 13, Jesus is talking about the day of his return. <laughs> there is a day like a thief in the night when the Lord will return. There's a season that he's coming and uh, there's a season in which we're going to be working, looking forward to the day of his return. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, it's interesting, Paul is, is quoting there about the acceptable day, that's a, that's a kairos, of salvation, a moment. <laughs> this is when God wants us to be working because salvation is near at hand. And in Matthew chapter 5, this is an interesting uh, text, obviously speaking uh, on the surface of reconciliation between brothers, but in the end, the reconciliation we need between uh, man and God. If you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar, go your way, first be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. But that can happen on one day. <laughs> reconciliation is possible and God wants it to happen for us between each other and certainly between us and him. The question is, how are we going to use the kairos that we've been given? We have a moment, we have this season, this opportunity. How are we going to use it? Will we allow the chronos to tick away into oblivion? Or will we seize it and turn it into kairos? That's the thing. As we're looking at ticking time, it's a concept. But how are we using that concept of time to make it into something very useful that we can serve God with. Today is the acceptable season. Today's the day of salvation, and we want you to be a part of that. Uh, if we can help you to do that, whatever we could do to help you, we want to encourage you, certainly. We want to take advantage of a season to encourage you to serve God. If you're not a Christian, we want to help you understand what it takes to do that. We want to help you to do that. If you're willing to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, to come forward repentant of your sins and have them washed away in baptism today could be the day of salvation for you. You could take advantage of that moment. 
If that's something you've already done and you're struggling to use your time well and to take advantage of the season and you want the encouragement of these brethren, that's why we come together. That's what we're here for. We want to help you with that as well. I hope this lesson serves. I hope it'll be a good guide for you as you're going into the new year. It's helped me so many times over the years to come back and think about these things. May God grant us opportunity. If we can help you with the opportunity he's given you, won't you make it known as we stand and sing this song for your encouragement. Mm -hmm.